Welcome to an incredible word from Pastor Marcus Dunham, Associate Pastor here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. So beginning uh, a couple of weeks ago, we, uh, we talked about ancient Thessalonica, which is where Paul would have approached. And today, if you were to go today, um, it is called Thessaloniki, I believe. And so, uh, but it's located in modern-day Greece. We're just going to do a quick review for those who uh, didn't, uh, weren't here. It sat between uh, some major trade routes, which was important, one being the popular Via Ignatia, which runs 5,972 miles connecting Europe and Asia. It's pretty cool. The, coast, uh, the, the, the western coast of Albania all the way to uh, to Istanbul, Turkey is where that runs. And so, in fact, if you wanted to go walk that today, you could. Uh, I don't know that I would encourage you to do that, but you could if you wanted to. So it's still there. Um, but it ran right through uh, Thessalonica, which was important because it brought all different types of people uh, to that city and through that city. And uh, it was the capital of, of Macedonia at that time, which was about 200,000 people, which was a lot of people back then. Um, and you can find the account of Thessalonica, Paul going there for his first time, in um, Acts 16 through 18. Very good read. I would encourage you to do that. We talked about it last time. But uh, Paul, he would have entered there th- during his second missionary journey. And um, he was there around A.D. 51, and he was there, uh, the Bible tells us in Acts 17, that he was reasoning with some of the Jews in the, um, uh, in the temple. Uh, uh, in the, um, in the uh, synagogue, excuse me. And uh, he was there for some time, probably a good two to three months. Well, he ended up getting run, in, uh, run out of town by some of the Jewish leaders of the law at that time and ran them out all the way to Berea, and they, you know, they just kept going. Well, Paul was a little concerned about that church. You know, the same people who had ran them out of town were still there. And we're causing some issues for the Christians there. And so Paul, he sent Timothy, you know, his trusted son in the faith, to go and check on them. And Paul made his way down to Corinth. And uh, once he got there, um, you know, uh, Timothy stayed with them for a while, encouraged them, and he brought back a great report that these Christians were still following Jesus, even under persecution. And it really encouraged Paul, which caused him to write the book of 1 Thessalonians 2. Uh, the Christians there in Thessalonica. And so, um, and then lastly, we learned a little bit about, you know, this letter. This was most likely Paul's first letter that he, that he ever wrote in, um, in um, the, the New Testament. We have 13 letters from Paul. This might have been the very first one, either this one or Galatians, but uh, many believe, and I believe that this was his first. But it can be broken up. When you read Thessalonians, the first, the first Thessalonians, it can be broken up into two main sections. Chapters 1 through 3 is more personal. It's more, he brings up a lot of personal history between him and the Thessalonians. And then the second half, it's, it's a, um, chapters 4 and 5 are a little more practical and a little more informative. And so um, we are going to finish out today chapter 1. And uh, we're going to extract some truth. And so uh, we're going to begin in verse 6 and we're going to end in verse 10. And I am reading out of the New Living Translation. Feel free to follow in yours. Or you can um, look at the screen. So uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 
beginning in verse 6. And he says this, So you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you, intim- you, you imitate, excuse me, imitated both us and the Lord. As a result, you have become an example to all the believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. Verse 8, and now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it. For they, know, for they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from your idols to serve the living and true God. Verse 10, and they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. Let's go ahead and pray real fast. Father God, I just pray, Lord, that you would just uh, speak to us today, God, and allow the Word of God to get in our hearts, God, and settle us down, Father. And God, I pray, God, that we would leave here today, God, um, Lord, uh, closer to you, God, than we were before, Lord. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Paul here, as he is speaking to the Christians here, he is writing to commend them. He is writing, again, because he found out that they had been standing strong under persecution. So he is encouraging them, and he is writing them to, to praise them because they were standing strong in their faith in God. They were standing on the Word of God faithfully. Even what the Word of God says, severe or intense persecution. Now, we don't know what that was. We don't, under, we don't know exactly what that was, but that word severe tells us that it was pretty, it was pretty intense. And these guys, they were, they were standing strong on the Word of God. They were standing strong and continuing um, uh, to follow the instructions that were, li- that were left with them, uh, uh, regardless of the circumstances that they were facing at that time. Uh, they were not going to allow their situation and uh, the people who were persecuting them to cause them to go back and forth. They knew what the Word of God was. They knew what was left with them, and they were standing strong on it. And they were even through um, the difficulty that they were facing. They persevered through the trials that stood between them and their faith. They were productive as a church, sharing their faith with others, The Word of God was going out into the community. It was going out into neighboring cities. And mind you, the closest city was about 40 miles away. But beyond, all over Macedonia, which was, you know, Europe in a sense, and beyond into Asia. I mean, it was was going out. And, you know, from the time that Paul left to the time he wrote this letter, and probably going back was probably about four to five months. So in that time, the Word of God was going out. I found that pretty amazing. I mean, these guys, they were faithful. They were productive. And they did not allow the moment to divide them. But they stayed united. I mean, Paul was encouraged. I mean, I think any of us, you know, Pastor Ron, you'd be encouraged of any of our churches you know, and, you know, wherever they are, if we heard that that was the report, I mean, we would all be encouraged. 
They were so faithful, it says, that the town surrounding them began to hear about it. These are far off. They were amazed and they were encouraged. They were, they were encouraged by hearing what, what was happening. That these guys, that they were completely devoted to Christ, regardless of what they were going through. I mean, they were amazed so much that they were sharing about it. They were talking about it amongst one another. They were texting about it and posting about it if it was today. I mean, it became something that was the talk in their gathering. If you could imagine, you know, and you, you know, every time they came to church, hey, man, you hear about those Christians out in Thessalonica? You know, Thessalonica? Man, I mean, it just encourages me. I mean, you can imagine it, in their day-to-day conversation, it really encouraged them. You know, and they were thinking that if the Thessalonians can stand strong and be faithful in what they are facing, we can too, you know? You know, if, if, if they can serve Jesus, if they, can, if they can do those things with what they are going, man, I can do this, you know? This had a profound effect on the believers around them and, the, and, and those who were far away. How amazing. Amen? Now, you would think that these Christians, that this church, were a seasoned group of believers, right? I mean, you would imagine that these guys had been doing this for a while, that they were veterans, you know? You know what I mean? That these guys, they were up in this thing and they knew what they were doing, okay? But the truth is that These believers, they were only six to nine months in the faith. They weren't even a year yet, and they were serving Jesus. I mean, isn't that encouraging? I find it so amazing that these guys were young in the faith, and yet the Word of God was going out. You know what I mean? And even though they were young in the faith, It had a profound effect on Christians who most likely had been saved longer than they had. It still encouraged them. It didn't matter. They were serving Jesus, and it made a difference. Okay? That tells me something. That says a lot. What it tells me is that we, too, are being an example to somebody else. Somebody is watching your life. They're watching how you serve Jesus. Doesn't matter how long you've been saved. Whether you've been saved for a little bit or or you are a veteran, okay, you know, no matter what, somebody is watching you. Just like they were watching the Thessalonians, just like they were talking about them, just like it became a talk. People are talking about you, whether they're talking about you to themselves in their, in, you know, in their conversations with the Lord, or whether they're talking to other people. You know, they're watching you. They're watching your life. They're watching how you approach your trials. They're watching how you interact with others, with believers and non-believers. They're watching how you raise your family. They're watching you as a dad and as a mom, as a brother, as a sister. They're watching you how you handle hardship when, when, when trouble comes, because it does, right? You know, it, it just does. How you handle that, they're watching you. How you treat your spouse, 
how you engage in church, however it looks like. People are watching you, just like the Christians and I believe the non-believers, that they all heard because the word of God was going out to people who didn't know Jesus. And they were amazed is what he was saying. People are watching us. And here's the key, that people are watching you and they are emulating you. Whoa, man. Someone is watching you and they're going to do what you are doing. I mean, man, that kind of puts a little, makes me, you know, makes me second guess my decisions. It makes me think twice about the words that come to my mouth. But you know, they're watching you and they're thinking, man, man, if Rinda can do this, man, I can do this. You know, if, if Harold, with what he's going through, if he's still serving Jesus, man, I can do this. Amen? You know, man, Brianna, if you can do this, if you're still serving Jesus, I can do this. Come on. Isn't that amazing? People are watching us, which makes, you know, it, it, it should make us think. This past Wednesday, I was reminded, we were reminded, those who were here on Wednesday by Pastor Ron, that every decision that we make is being recorded. That's what you said. That's what the Word of God tells us, that the Lord is watching, and every decision is being recorded. And we must live expecting that people are going to watch us. We should expect that people are going to say what we say, that people are going to do what we do, right? You know, our children, you know, you know, I'll share this. You know, I had to, I had to stop saying, oh, my gosh. I didn't realize how, my, how, you know, how, how often I was saying it until I heard Maya. Oh, oh, my gosh. Whoa, whoa. Where'd you get that from? She got it from me. I had to change my words. Now we say, oh, my goodness. You know, it just sounds better. You know, but I had to realize my girls, you know, they're going to say what I say. They're going to do what I do. And, and, and believers, young and old, whether, you know, they are going to listen to me, they're going to listen to you, and they're going to follow you. So, our responsibility is to leave an example worth following. Amen? It is our responsibility. It's something as parents, something as a good friend, as a, as, a, as a manager, as a, as, a, as a co-worker, no matter where we are in life, and especially as a Christian, as a believer, as a leader, that we should leave, a, that we should leave an example worth following. And when I, look at, when I look through these, you know, at the Christians there in Thessalonica, you know, Pastor Ron, I feel like I, I, I see an example worth following. And today, I, I found four things that I think that if we can do these four things, and listen, you may already be doing them. Praise God if we are. You know, let us continue to do them. But four things that I feel like that we can begin to do or continue doing that will help us 
to be an example worth following. Okay? Number one is for us to live with joy. That's what, that's what it says that these, these guys did. In verse 6, it says, you receive the message with joy from the Holy Spirit, not because, in spite of the severe suffering. They had joy, which I call true happiness, because it's not based on what's happening out here, but regardless of what happens, I'm still happy. I still got a reason to smile. I, I still got joy in my heart. The, Thessalon- the Thessalonians, they experienced joy not because of their situation, but in spite right. of their situation. There is a joy that is available to us regardless of the current circumstances we face. You know, the Bible tells us that joy comes from the Holy Spirit, Right? And if we don't see a lot of joy in our life, then maybe we sh- can consider getting closer to Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit into our life. Amen? Amen that we need more of Him in our life. Maybe. Maybe we should surrender. We need to surrender our current moment over to God. You know, there's something about taking that moment that's causing us stress, that's causing us disappointment and discouragement, which is a part of life. It happens. It comes, right? Life happens. And there's a time for us to struggle with that. I, I, I believe that, that there is a moment where we have to struggle with it. We have to work with it. You know what I mean? But then there comes a time where we have to surrender it. Because if we hold on to it too long, it'll bring about bitterness. It'll bring about a uh, a sense in our life where it takes us out of character. It takes us to a place that's not really us, that we don't want to be. But when we surrender it over to Jesus, it brings joy. You know, he, 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 he allows us, a, a joy becomes available, excuse me. People pick up on our dissatisfaction and our disappointments and our discouragement. But again, that's life. You know, we get discouraged from time to time. But there comes a time where joy becomes available, amen? Where we have to reach out and take it. You know, let us not get bogged down with the disappointments and discouragements in life. Sometimes we just, you know, there comes a time where we have to share it with somebody, you know? We can talk with somebody and we can get it out. There's something about getting that out, talking about it, that we can begin to not just wrestle with it, but all right, I'm going to trust Jesus right now. Amen? Amen. There comes a time for us to do that. And these guys, they clearly did that. You know, these guys went through a lot. Later on, it tells us that some of their friends who were in the church lost their lives, which might have been because of persecution. And they were discouraged. There were some, they were down in the dumps. But Paul was telling them, it's time to let that go. Give it to Jesus. Amen? Amen. God is on the throne. We can trust in him. Number two, we can imitate Christ. Imitate Christ for us to imitate the word of God. Verse six, it says, in this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. That word imitate means to mimic. 
Or in other words, it means to follow in order to become. To follow in order to become. Whenever I was thinking about this, I got a picture of my little daughter, Nora. She's two years old and her walking out of the room into our hallway, through our hallway into the living room, dressed in her mama's high heels that barely fit her with a big old dress that's just drawing all over the floor and got makeup, lipstick all across her cheek, (laughs) you know, blush. She got blush on her eyes, you know, on her forehead, and she's just got this big old smile. And, you know, she's following in her mama's footsteps, you know, (laughs) trying to be like her mama. You know, she wants to be your mama, you know, and, you know, it it, kind of shows us, you know, we all, you know, want to be like Jesus, we all want to be like Christ, and that's, we follow him in order to become like him. And the Thessalonians, they were following instructions that were left to them, and they were obedient in doing those things. And us too, we should be led, you know, we, you know as we follow Christ, people will follow us. You know, we, we should be following him, which, and we do that by following the word of God. But we follow in order to become. You know, we have to, we have to obey in order to become obedient. Amen? Amen? We have to give in order to become a giver. We have to love in order to become an example of God's love. We have to forgive in order to be forgiven. You know, we can keep going. You know, we have to go to God in prayer in order for us to have peace. We have to instruct discipline and love our children in order to become godly parents. And we can keep going, but, you know, we have to follow in order to become. And as we imitate the Word of God, we should expect people to imitate us. As we imitate Jesus, you know, it's a, it, you know that for me, it gave me a good reason. I was just thinking about it. It gives me a good reason. My motivation to remind me why I should go to the Word of God, why I should continue to follow Jesus, so that I'm giving somebody a good example. Amen? Amen. Even to our children. Number three, to share your faith with others. We should share our faith with others. Verse eight, it says, And now the Lord, or excuse me, now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. It says, that the word of God was ringing out. You, you know, that, that gives me an idea that it's, it's, it just continues to, 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 to roll, continue to move, to continue to, to roll out from Thessalonica. It was, a, it was resounding out to nearby towns in a powerful way. And it was the result of the church collectively sharing with others what Jesus had freely given them. You know, when we share what God has done in us, you know, we've done our part. There's something about us sharing with a friend, you know, what Jesus did in us. You know, it, it's something that they really want to hear. You know, people who don't know Jesus are looking for hope. You know, I love in verse 9, it says that, that they heard about how the Thessalonians turned away from their idols to serve the living and true God. That's a testimony right there. That's, that's, that, 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 that's our testimony about how I turned away from my past to turn to Jesus. You know, that right there will make a difference in somebody's life. You know, how? Well, let me tell you what Jesus did in my life. You know, let, let me just share with you what Jesus did for me. 
It, it makes a difference. It makes a difference when people know that it's real, that it made a difference in your life. Because if it made a difference in your life, it, it can make a difference in their life. There is something powerful about our testimony. And all it takes is us sharing it with somebody else. It's us turning from our old way to serve the living and true God. I want to encourage you to share your testimony with somebody. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. You know, maybe it's somebody that you know. And I'm sure that the Lord is going to put somebody on your heart. Maybe somebody's put somebody on your heart right now. You know, in fact, let's just take a moment just to pray for that person. Whoever's on your heart, whoever's on your mind, you know, whoever the Lord is putting on your heart, Lord, I just pray, God, that in the next few weeks, Father, I pray for an opportunity, God, for us to share our testimony and for us to share Jesus with somebody, Lord. And I pray you would prepare their hearts, God. Lord, somebody who is ready, Lord, to come to you, Father. And God, I pray that our seed, God, that we sow, God, the, that, that, that our testimony and the faith that we share would be the seed, God, God, that you use to bring about salvation in that person's life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And then lastly, number four. He says, something that we can do is to look forward to the day. Verse 10, it says that they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven. The, they were, when, when Paul, this is the way I, I'm seeing it. Paul, when he left Thessalonica, and after he left the next time, which was Berea, he ended up in Athens, that there he heard about people talking about Thessalonica. And then from there he went to Corinth, and then that's when he heard back from, from, um, from Timothy. So between the time he got there, he was hearing. I mean, I don't know how they did this, but clearly they were sending people out, and they were hearing about just, you know, whenever, when he would try to share Jesus with somebody, they say, hey, we're, we're saved. <laughs> In fact, it was, you know, the Thessalonians, man, man, they are awesome, man. They, you know, man, I mean, they, these guys are awesome. And man, they taught us and encouraged us to look forward to the coming of God's son. I mean, that's pretty crazy. You know, it didn't take long. But they heard about how they were looking forward to Jesus. They were, look, you know, Jesus coming back you know, about the rapture, that one day Jesus is coming back to redeem my soul. Come on, somebody. That's, that's happening. And it was the hope that caused them to stand strong under persecution. It was that hope that caused them to continue to stand strong. It was the hope that continued to encourage them to share their faith with somebody else. It was, it was what encouraged them to continue to to, to, to imitate Jesus and to follow the instructions that God left for them. You know, it was the thing that inspired them and motivated them that the reality that Jesus was coming back soon. And as it did for them, I believe that it should do for us. The more that I've been reading in the New Testament, but the more that I see Paul and and, and, and the, the Word of God encouraging the churches to look forward to the day. And that was like 2,000 years ago. I mean, that was a long time ago. And they were living with expectancy. How much more us, right? How much more us for us to live with expectancy that Jesus is coming back? 
because it, 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 it motivates us. It's a motivating factor for us to stand strong, for us to continue to trust Jesus. Amen? And in order for us to look forward, because again, they were looking forward, in order for us, I'm going to talk loud over this rain here. It's starting to get intense. In order for us to look forward, we have to let go of the past. Amen? You know? The reality is I believe that God is a lot less interested in our past than we are many times. God is a lot less interested in our past than we are. Amen. If God has forgiven us, then so should we. If God is not rehearsing it, neither should we. If God has moved on, then so should we. You know, the devil wants to keep us focused on what's in front of us, what has hurt us. You know, the devil wants to keep us focused on what has harmed us and what has paralyzed us to keep us from being focused on the very thing that gives us power to overcome it. Amen? That is the resurrection. When we place our eyes on Jesus, it gives us a reason for us to continue to hope. Let us turn away from our past, let it go, and keep our eyes focused on what is to come. Allow it to generate some excitement. I was, I was talking with Melinda about this yesterday, you know, and I was just thinking about it. You know, the more I thought about it, you know, it, it gives me a reason. It, it's a new perspective. When I place my, just take some time out of the day to just think about the fact that that's where I'm headed. It reminds me, I, I want to take some more people with me. I want to make sure that my family's going with me. I want to make sure that my boys are going with me. Amen? It makes a difference. So, with these four things, I believe that it will give us some ammunition to help leave an example worth following. If we are living with joy, I believe that we have done our job. If we are living with joy, okay, if we are imitating Christ, we have done our job. If we are sharing our faith, we, are do- we have done our job. If we are looking forward to the great day, then we have done our job because somebody is watching you. That is an example worth following. That right there, if we are doing our best to do those things, I believe, and, and more, but if just if those things, I believe that if somebody, which they are, is emulating you, boy, you're leaving a good example. That's what I want to do. I want to leave a good example. I want to leave a good example for the people who are following me. The question is, who are they modeling? Who will they become? Because the truth is, they will become you. Someone will become you. Amen? But the person who that's going to be is for us to decide. Now, we can't make those decisions for them, but we can influence what decisions they will make. Amen? That's why the decisions we make today. And again, if the Apostle Paul can do it. We got to remember, he wasn't the, always the Apostle Paul, right, Pastor Ron? Right, Miss Brenda? 
They, he wasn't always the Apostle Paul. He was Saul before, if we remember. That was the guy persecuting you guys. That was the guy who was, who was making trouble for us. If he can lead that type of example, so can we. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for this dynamic message from Pastor Marcus Dunham. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastors and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.